the wrestling podcast about nothing, is brought to you by BDA Radio. BDA Radio doesn't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head on over to BDARadio.com and check out all of the latest news on the UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. They are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves. BDARadio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 12 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think we have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars... The irresistible force, the immovable object, the overweight loves in the house, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. I gotta tell you, you know, every every episode, as you're doing the opening spiel, I'm reading it word for word on the screen. No, 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 no. This is right off the tip of my tongue. No, 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 not you, me. Oh. As oh, you're okay. as you're saying it, I'm reading it. Like almost like I don't know if I'm like fact checking or whatever, or making Following sure. Following along at home. Yeah, it's like it's like I need like the little bouncy ball, like following along on each <laughs> yes. word. I think that'd be very helpful. Uh, so, Brian, we are recording on Saturday night. We are. We're remote, too, baby. We Yes, we're in our remote studio here in um, very southern New Hampshire. Just close as I can get to Massachusetts, well, but <laughs> He's being in New bitch. Hampshire. <laughs> um, and... So the fight, we're, we're here to see the UFC, uh, the big uh, fight card, UFC see. 200. Brock Lesnar. Yes. And so do you want to make your prediction now and be a fool or be a, a genius? Wow. wow. Well, this is going to play on play on Monday, so right. I, there's time to edit this. There's time to edit well, this. But, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, my DraftKings lineup, I got Brock <laughs> Lesnar because he's chicken. I got to have some action on this because... I mean, I'm not a UFC guy. I'm not an MMA guy. I'm a wrestling guy. Uh, but I think Brock Lesnar's probably going to get knocked out in the first round. And that's my first That's round. my official prediction. Our, our, our special guest this week uh, just made a face. We haven't brought him on yet, so he can't say a word. We've cut his mic right now. Yes, he's in the green he room. He just made a face when I said that Brock Lesnar was going to get clipped in the first round. Well, we'll see. Uh, um I won't give my prediction. Okay, anyway. You piece of garbage. This podcast is available every Monday on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on BDARadio.com. Now we ask, please do something for the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on iTunes and take a minute and write us a five-star review. It really gets the podcast out there, helps us grow, gets more people to listen. Do us a personal favor. Make sure you're subscribed on the podcast feed that you're listening to right now and review us. Thank you very much. On today's show, we're talking about, uh, you were talking about our very special guest. 
He is New England Independent Wrestling star, and he's the owner of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. He is the firebrand, Brian Fury. He'll be here just a little later on. We'll talk about how he balances his pro wrestling bookings and his school. We'll talk about maybe some of his more notable students. <coughs> we'll see how his career is going and how he sees it going in the future and a ton more. Plus, we'll deliver a promo about nothing and so much more. But before we get into all that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Breast-obsessed Dean Ambrose? He's 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 obsessed with breasts. Uh, uh, maybe a master of them, if he's you will. Obs- yes, he's all about the boobs. Sure, but so is the staff at BDARadio.com. We can get not only photos of hot women, but also the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news; they break the news with our wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on the UFC. Bellator, WWE, and much more. BDARadio.com, mastering the internet Hold on, hold on, hold on, Mike, hold on. What's that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. My first? By far your best one. Wow. By by far your best one. What do you mean by far? What's number two? (laughs) I I think they've all been number two, buddy. (laughs) Oh, how dare you. Oh, my goodness. Okay, BDARadio.com. We're we're finally rocking on all cylinders here. We're going to get right into... Our interview with our very special guest, Brian. Yes. Okay, so he is the owner, the head trainer of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. He is a 2016 Ring of Honor Top Prospect Tournament finalist. He is a 16-year veteran of the Independent Mat Wars, if you don't mind me saying, Brian. He is trained... By former WWE developmental talent Steve Bradley, the mofo. He is... I'm not sure I really like this. I like it. Come on. New Hampshire... Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't like this. New Hampshire's favorite son. What, you want to take that one? I don't know. Maybe. New Hampshire's favorite son. He is the firebrand. He is Brian Fury. And he's here right now in his palatial uh, bedroom. It is a nice bedroom. It's nice. Is this where the magic happens, Brian? <laughs> this is where the magic happens. Yes, it is. Hello, Michael. Hello, Brian. How are you guys? Fantastic, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, I'm digging. I'm digging the. Uh, I'm digging the bedroom. I mean, you're you're all comfy over there. Uh, Thank you. I'm kind of on this hard chair or whatever. I'm thinking maybe. Uh, I don't we know. Maybe at some point if we get uh, really into some uh, interesting topics, we all come snuggle over there. Maybe, with you. maybe. Uh, real quick, before you guys ask Uh-oh. me questions, I have one question for the two of you guys. Uh oh. Besides being very good friends of mine for a very long period of time, what do the two of you have in common when it comes to me? Hmm. Oh. Oh, well, I I think I know this. Okay. I think I know this. Okay, let's see. Go for it. Well, we're we're both Brian Michaels. (laughs) I know that much. Okay, we are. He's Michael. Yes. That's not what I was getting at. Oh, Do you want, right. you want to take a, a stab, I Mr. Crockett? I haven't the foggiest. Okay. You are two of my closest friends, and neither one of you invited me to the, your weddings. That's oh. one of the... Oh. Oh. It got, uh, got awkward in here. It's one of the... Quick. Start off like that. Well, well, uh, 
Well, we, we always like to peel back the curtain a little bit here <laughs> on the, the wrestling podcast. So another, and that was, you know, it's funny because I think in the beginning, uh, and we are going to take a little bit different direction, I think, in this interview, but we were going to talk about uh, first impressions and, and meeting each other and whatnot. Uh-oh. And uh, I know for me and you, uh, not friends. No. <laughs> not we, friends. <laughs> we, we were not friends uh, in the slightest, uh, not I wouldn't say bitter enemies, but we certainly, uh, you know, you wouldn't invite me to your wedding and we wouldn't hang out after a show or anything like well, that. Well, I mean, I think, that's I think sure. before we uh, before we kissed and made up, I think I, I probably, I came to a bro- the first ever Brock Lesnar fight uh, at your house. Uh, yes. I, uh, I, I was a friend of your lady friend at the time. Um, so that's how I got the invite. But uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> think we were quite friends at that point. All water under the bridge. We are very tight nowadays. But yeah, it's funny how... Uh, you know, the wrestling business can kind of do that with people, like make people dislike each other or like each other or the same over a period of time. Yeah, I mean, I think to give the kind of the people a little background on it, um, I was all, I, I started with Chaotic and you were with WFA at the time run by Steve Bradley. And bitter enemies. You're right. There was like this little <laughs> promotional rivalry. I won't get too into the details because they're not my details to share, but I think, you know, Steve had a problem with Chaotic, rightfully so, and... In turn, I think um, Chaotic had a problem with Steve, and and uh, Steve had closed down his place, and then a bunch of you guys had come, you and Al. I think um, I think Nikki and I were the first two to come over to kind of like brave those waters and stuff. And after we were there for a couple shows, that a couple other people started to come along with us afterwards. And um, I am a very upfront somewhat abrasive person and that no. rubs people wrong when they don't really know me yet they kind of just think i'm some jerk or whatever i mean i am a jerk but at the same time uh once people kind of get to know me they realize that's just me i'm not like a jerk about it that's just how i am i, 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 I compared it to a good old-fashioned pissing contest and i think what turned it around for us is i think we took a road trip together just uh just me and you and we started we started kind of shooting the shit or whatever and kind of realizing how much we actually really had in common from like a family standpoint and a little bit of an upbringing standpoint. Both from New Hampshire. Both from New Hampshire. Like, you know, but I think that's kind of was like the turning point for us realizing like, all right, we're kind of being idiots with this and, you know. Right. No, definitely. I think a lot of people may or may not realize that pro wrestling is a lot like any other job where you're not necessarily going to get along with everybody that you're working with. And what's different for us is like, we have to go out there and put our lives in each other's hands and stuff. So it's much better if you do get along with everybody, but at the same time, um, that's one of the beautiful things about professional wrestling is the professionalism and the brotherhood there, whether you like each other or don't like each other when you go out there, it's all business and stuff. And we were lucky enough where we were always all business together. And then, you know, as time went on, definitely became, good friends and started traveling up and down the roads down the road <laughs> well, it's funny, i was actually asked today uh um by somebody that we both know i was asked by, by uh demon ortiz louis ortiz he asked me who like who of all the guys that i've wrestled i had the best chemistry with and my answer was you uh thank you which is ironic I mean, but this is something we've talked about you know and the, this is not just me giving you lip service here because you're on my podcast right. now this is something we've talked about before and for whatever reason, when we wrestle, it clicks. It works. We always seem to be on the same page. So, um, you know, always very cool. No, yeah, it's always been a lot of fun. We, you know, we had a couple of memorable programs and stuff, and definitely like um, we had over a couple. You know, we had maybe an overzealous ref that you know 
may have almost tried to ruin a couple matches here and there, but you know. Son of a what? He, I think he's on an extended hiatus uh, <laughs> currently for good reason. That's forced out. Let me give me, <laughs> let me give my first memory of uh, of Brian Fury. Okay. Uh, I was going. I believe it was the first show for NRG, and uh, I got booked as a referee, and I was trying to find the building and having a little trouble, and. I end up pulling up to a light behind a car with the with the New Hampshire license plate K Fabe. Oh boy! And I had two thoughts. I had my first thought was, "Oh great, this guy. Uh, there's no way this guy is not going to the show, so I can follow him there and know where I'm going." And second, the person driving this car is probably kind of a dickweed. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> ding, ding, ding on both accounts, right? <laughs> that, that license plate got such an interesting uh, reaction. People either absolutely loved it or absolutely like hated it and despised it. And uh, uh, Steve uh, Bradley, my trainer at the time, when I got it, he laughed and said, that's the same license plate that Pat Patterson had. And so I had it for a year and I got rid of it after the year just because of the amount of hatred and love for it was just like, I was like, okay, enough. I'm just going to get regular plate now, some generic whatever plate. <laughs> yeah, this was still, yeah, you you guys were still on the Bradley side, and I was on the chaotic side, so this was the first kind of... One side of the locker room and the other, right? You didn't, yeah, you didn't, was, uh, you didn't interact with this guy, did you, at the time? Well, no, I didn't really interact with anybody. He good. had to ref one of my <laughs> matches, though, oh, and boy. boy, was that match good. It was a tag team battle, and... Yes, there was uh, miscommunication of epic, epic yada, proportions. Yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, yada, yada, yada. I had my head in my hands. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. DC Dillinger attempted to console me. <laughs> Our first ever DC Dillinger reference on the podcast. I love it. Oh, my goodness. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. Now, you had this career in WFA and Chaotic, and how did it come about that you became the owner of what was the Chaotic Training Center and is now the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Um, so after Mike Hollow left, uh, myself, Brian Malonis, and Warbeard Todd Hansen yes. uh, kind of stepped up and became the trainers there. Uh, we each had a different day. Uh, Malonis had Tuesdays, I had Thursdays, and Todd had Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a good relationship working together for a while. We each had our different nights. If somebody needed something covered or something like that, one of us would step in and blah, 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 blah. Um, my, the way I remember things is Brian had to start stepping away from the school because he was getting ready to have his first child and become, become a dad. And so that left another night open. And then Todd was kind of back and forth and about being able to help out on that Tuesday night all the time and, and Saturday sometimes because he was starting to he was hurt and stuff. And so Jamie, the owner of Chaotic, who also owned the school, like if push came to shove, there's nothing he can do to train or teach. So his idea was he was, he was going to close it, basically. And I loved teaching so much. And I always thought that like I wanted to cement myself in this business one way or another for the long term, even for like after my career is over and stuff like that. And I thought... And I love training so much that I thought like that would be the right way to do it. So him and I worked something out, and I ended up purchasing the school from him, uh, renamed it to kind of get it, get it away from just being the chaotic school. 
hence the New England Pro Wrestling Academy name, and that was, wow, July 4th, I think, 4. It's going to be like 4, four like my yeah. daughter's 4, so yeah, yeah it's it, going to be 5. It was, it was so. July 1st. Four years ago, so 2012 is when I took over the school and I've been kind of training. Been there ever since, which is kind of crazy. I think it's been that long already. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I mean, I and I remember, you know, and, and so you hit the nail on the head. That's why I I had stepped away. Um, and the one thing for me stepping away was I obviously I had a strong, very strong emotional attachment to the place because that's where I started. And I remember saying to you, like, I felt like the school is obviously in very good hands with you which was a big part of me like i mean i was i would have probably you know, truth be told probably stepped away anyways but it's god man it's a, it, when you when you care about something and when you're emotionally invested into something it does give you peace of mind to step away knowing like this is in this is in great hands you know this is in you know so you know for me you know that was a big part of it which was which is awesome it's an awesome feeling knowing because the legacy of that school is the Catholic training center and then walter kowalski came over um you know and now to the new england pro wrestling academy so the lineage of the school i think is one that's important in uh, especially new england wrestling history but probably pro wrestling history when we're going to talk about some of the names later on yeah no it's it's pretty awesome to think about um that the school that I have and now own is linked to, you know, those places and, and the lineage that goes back as far as it is. Uh, I don't, when I sell the school, like to potential students and stuff, they kind of bring that up to me. And it's not something that I try to like push like, yeah, you know, I'm like a direct line to Walter Kowalski and stuff like that. Technically I am, but I don't, I don't try to like take credit for being in that succession line, you know, if, if that makes any sense to you guys. Me like, and Big John Stud, <laughs> we were always hanging <laughs> right, out. But can I guys say something? You're a damn fool. It's a marketing ploy. Well, Market the shit out of it. It's, it's it's still on the door. Uh, his if his website is still up, if I remember correctly, it it does it pushes you over to my website and stuff like that. It has links to it and stuff. So yes, in that sense, I do. But at the same time, like I just I'm probably a little too honest for this business when it comes to things like that. I try to do things the right way. I do people tell people who I'm you know, who I have trained that are on TV and stuff now, but I won't take credit for people that came before my training and stuff like that, even though, like, technically, like, because of the lineage of the school, I could, but it's, it's just I don't feel right doing that. Right, no, and and, I, and I'm and i not saying that. I'm just saying, like, yeah, we were once Killer Kowalski's. That's, that's <laughs> yes. I'm not saying being a piece of shit, I'd be like, yeah, no, I trained Triple H, by the way, guys. I don't know if you know that. I was like I was like in high school, I trained him. <laughs> <laughs> My pal Paul. <laughs> oh, Paul. <laughs> uh, okay, so you said you said that you always kind of wanted to train. So where where did that kind of come from? Um, when I was training up at Steve Steve Bradley's the uh, Top Rope Pro Wrestling Academy, which is kind of where I got the Academy name on top of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some days where, like, when newer students would come in, he would have me work with them on basics, lockups, you know, fundamentals, foundations, and things like that. And I really, really enjoyed it. And once in a while, he'd have me do like certain drills, like head, you know, put together drills and things for classes and stuff like that. Um, kind of like what the the beginners ring is at my school now. Um, and I just really enjoyed it a lot then. And that was like the first time I was able, you know, able to really 
start helping people as they join wrestling. And then later on, taking over the one night a week at the chaotic training center, like being able to teach like the psychology aspect and the more advanced stuff, stuff that I learned from Steve and through my travels, like I really liked that a lot more and being able to see people grow and come into their own, like, I don't know, it felt awesome, like watching them and their dreams kind of come true because of help that I've given them. And so it's, it's just been awesome ever since. Like I can't really put it into words exactly how it feels. I mean, I know you've trained some Brian and you've had a lot of success with, you know, some of our earlier students. So you know that feeling like it's hard to really describe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, living vicariously would be like a, an inaccurate, but kind of at the same time to give somebody the idea of what that, what that feels like. Um, but to yeah to be able to help somebody it's almost like paying forward what you know so what steve did for you what mike hollow did for me um you know this is our dream and then so you're seeing people come in who like literally you're thinking back like you know i always would think back like to my first day a lot when i was doing the training and i and you remember the people that were kind to you and helped you along your way so it's that feeling of like yeah, I'm helping this person. I, I was this guy one time when I stepped in and let me help them, you know, you know, deliver their right. dreams. And I think one of the things, and, and if you don't mind me sure. steering this one, my, um, so the, the, one of the biggest challenges for me with the school was um, when you're not the tra- head trainer or whatever, or you're not the trainer, when you're just a guy and doing shows, you can kind of pick and choose who you want to help. But when you are opening a school, everybody who comes to that door that you're accepting their money and agreeing to train them, your your name is stamped across their forehead. For me, that was the biggest challenge. What I mean, is that your biggest challenge or do you have other challenges? What are some of the challenges of it? I don't know if it's, if it's my biggest challenge, but it's definitely like a weight on my shoulders. Um, for better or worse, everybody that comes through that building and gets on shows at one point or another is has my name stamped on them. And it I say for better or worse because not every egg is a good egg. Um, meaning, like, there are some people that can be very gifted athletically and, and progress really fast, but some of them have bad attitudes and things like that. Um, some of them, um, pro wrestling, some people feel like things are owed to them because they trained or, or put work in and stuff like that. And so, promoters and certain people and other wrestlers can see that. And they're like, oh, you're a Fury guy? Okay. And then that kind of comes back on to me. But also all the good eggs that are out there, like everybody that shows up the shows they're not booked on just helps out with the ring crew and stuff like that. So that, that type of stuff, you know, shines a good light on me and stuff like that. It's one of those things where when your name is on somebody, anybody, for better or worse, you know, it's always, you know, you got to be wary of it. But at the same time, I feel like I instill so much in all in everybody that, when they get out there, like, I'm happy that my name is on them. As far as, like, things that are, like, way heavy on me other than that, I feel responsible for everybody that comes in, and not meaning, like, whether they get hurt or not, but I want them to succeed. I feel responsible getting everybody booked on their first show and helping them get matches and stuff like that. Like, I don't think a lot of that was done for me when I first, first started before I trained with Steve. Like, where I trained at first was was connected closely to one affiliation in one place, but that was it. You weren't really allowed to wrestle anywhere else. It wasn't helped. 
you weren't helped to get your name out there or anything like that. And I feel like that is a big thing that I want to do. And I feel responsible for all my students for at least one match. And then from there, it's on them, I think, to take it where they want to go after there. Yeah, I mean, that's cool because I, I can attest to, for as good as my training was, uh, I went to the chaotic school, which is only affiliated with the with chaotic wrestling. So Mike did a lot for me, but Mike never got me booked on shows. Right. Uh, so that's I, I think that's, that's really cool that, um, you know, that you took the initiative to, uh, or you take the initiative to try to get your students booked and, and get them opportunities and um, provide those learning experiences that help you grow as a, as a, por- a performer and person in this business. But even though you're the head trainer and you're helping all these other guys out, I mean, you're still an active wrestler. You still have a career. Um, you're you know going all over New England and beyond. Uh, so how do you balance that with the school? Um, sometimes it's overwhelming. It's like, it's, I don't want to say that one means more to me than the other, but I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I didn't say like my career has always been like a a step ahead of the school. It doesn't mean I, I, I I treat the school second best or anything like that because I still think I put a ton of effort into the school, but first and foremost my career is always kind of like what took precedence when when it came time for me to do things so in that sense like sometimes I'm not able to make every Saturday morning class because I have to travel or I'm traveling back from a show Friday night or something like that so I have to get somebody to cover it Um, I try to be there all three days a week that we're open and whenever there's a day that I'm not there you know I have I give all the credit in the world to the two guys that helped me out uh, Johnny Vegas and Amato uh, who wrestles as Setherin as like um they help me out in the beginner's ring. And I, I, I never give them enough credit for a lot of the stuff they do there. But when I'm not there, I have 100% faith in them and, and I trust in them. But th- I just feel like with it being my school and my name and everything, like I feel guilty not being there, helping out in some way, shape or form. Um, so, you know, with my career coming first and me taking a lot of bookings when I was traveling a little bit for Ring of Honor recently and stuff and, and, and going out and about like, it's hard to balance the two, I guess you could say, like, because I want both to succeed really well, and I I can only do so much with my schedule and and everything else, you know. Right. So you talked about Ring of Honor. I mean, uh, you were in the top prospect tournament this year. Well, we talked on the in the Hanson interview. That's uh, episode eight and nine, I believe, of the wrestling podcast about nothing about um. You thought that probably you were going to be in it the previous year, but then you had uh, Todd jinxed you, essentially. <laughs> Todd cursed me. Yes. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Yeah, you you were. It looked like you were the heading. The whole Hanson jinx. Yes. <laughs> like you were like you were heading into the 2015 Top Prospect Tournament, but you had a devastating ankle injury, the first injury of your career, and that was what. 13, 14 years yeah, in? Yeah, at that point, it was like 13 years in. Uh, things were going great. It looks like everything was lining up. We had a lot of different opportunities ahead of me. Um, did that TV taping for Ring of Honor. Got a TV title shot. You know, wrestled Matt Taven for the TV title. Uh, two weeks in a row on Ring of Honor television. And literally six days after the tapings, um, just a freak accident on a neck breaker, a move I do every single one of my matches. Just twisted my ankle. Uh ended up being a spiral fracture. I needed 
uh, plate and seven screws put in there. Who's was... the guy? Who put you out? <laughs> uh, that bastard, Chris Masters. Oh my goodness! Should I use the same joke I used with I used with Todd. Hey, uh, Brian, you dropped the you dropped the name over there. <laughs> Did you want to pick it up? The masterpiece. <laughs> Took him out. It's so weird because that was the first time I ever met him, and he felt like terrible about it. I still wrestled for another like five minutes on it, like broken and stuff. Um, and I finally, I remember telling him I had him in a hold, and I was like, "I'm not gonna be able to like bump and feed for you." He goes, "Oh, it's okay. We'll figure something." We did something. We worked, and just he got me in the master lock, and then he cut a promo to the crowd, um, saying like, you know, that I got hurt, and he he feels bad that he couldn't perform the long match that we wanted to do. We were a main event and stuff like that, and um, you know, he found out that I had like to get surgery and stuff, and he actually like sent me a private message and called me like. Like a couple of weeks later, which is unheard of for like a name yeah, that, that's really nice that, move. That, that that I've never um really met before, you know, like to call and check on me and see how I was doing and stuff like that. So that was really cool of him. Yeah, and then I was out for a while, and and I like to think there's no guarantees in professional wrestling, but I like to think I was on my way to doing something in the top prospect tournament that year because it looked like things were going really well uh, with Ring of Honor. I did like a two seminars and then I did those TV tapings and stuff and I had a good rapport with um you know Kevin Kelly and and Hunter and stuff like that and that happened and I was kind of out of the spotlight for quite a while it was like almost a year was it or it was well I was out of their eyes for like for like a year and then I did a seminar again like a year later and I had like my new the, like a new look you know like my those new like leathery type pants and stuff like that and everything and they really liked it and even then, it was another, like, six months before they called me to do the top prospect thing. So it was, like, both times I was like, okay, well, I guess nothing's going to happen. And then the phone rings. It's usually... You were really, like, a big focal point, too, of, like, that tournament. I think your story was featured probably more so than anybody else's in the, in that tournament, talking about your history, how it's you're in the top prospect tournament, but it's a weird term for you because... You've, been you, you, you've trained previous a previous winner of the top right. prospect tournament. I think what they said to me was I was the first person ever in the top prospect tournament to be an official heel. I was the first person to have kind of like a storyline that progressed from match one to the finals. Um, so in in all those aspects, I thought it was really cool and to be really featured and get like some promo time and stuff like that on on their TV. Like I couldn't ask for anything more, and I like to think I made the most out of all three of those matches that I had the opportunities for. Um, you know, going forward, I know they have a lot of different people going in and out of there, and their deal with New Japan and stuff like that, so they are busy, but at the same time, you know, in pro wrestling, you just never really say never, so who knows. Just like Dennis Stamp, man. You gotta, you never know when your next <laughs> match is going to be. You gotta, <laughs> yes. you gotta stay in shape. Get in that underwear and start jumping up and down the bed right here. We'll... <laughs> Got to stay in shape. That's what he's gonna do after we leave. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're talking about your your kind of your personal goals here, and something else that kind of happened. We're kind of going back with this before all the Ring of Honor stuff, but um, you had a match on WWE TV, and uh, with Mike work and all. Yes, Mike Testa had some mic work on uh, WWE SmackDown. Myself and Elia Markopoulos. Yes. Ari Cohen. <laughs> yes, we were Ari Cohen and Mike Testa, and we wrestled Ryback at, on a SmackDown taped in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, huh? Huh? Yes, <laughs> uh, we got to do some mic work ahead of the, ahead of the match and stuff. We we told jokes. Oh, uh, all right. We told jokes, not very good ones, 
But we that told was the point. we told jokes. See, too bad it wasn't live raw. You could have hit the New Hampshire's favorite sunline <laughs> yes. if it was a live episode of Raw. So uh, the writer gave us our lines and he walked us through them like fifty times to the point where like I just couldn't like I was sick and tired of going over these jokes. And then he made the point of telling us like the last two times we we went over them that if they were getting a really good reaction and if the crowd was hating us, Vince might not hit Ryback's music. So you have to have jokes of your own ready to go <laughs> just in case. And so me and Elia were like, what, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, if it's getting good reactions uh, and the crowd's really biting on it, you know, Vince is kind of want to let you guys go. I don't know if he was ripping us or if that was actually the case. I could see either one. So then we, we like, Elia and I came up with like three other, like probably even worse than the terrible jokes that they wrote. I couldn't remember a single one of them. But, you know, they cut me off on the line, like, two guys walk into a bar. That's when Rabbit's music was supposed to hit. It's, it is when it hit. But then I had to come up with jokes that would play off of that, and he, he'd have to come up with the punchline and things like that. So we had, like, three or four different ones in our head ready to go for that night. I couldn't tell you. But thank goodness they hit his music when they did because it would have been it would have been even worse than those jokes already were had it kept going. So how was uh, Ryback to work with overall? He was awesome, man. He was he was really cool. He was super grateful um, that like all the local guys and stuff were helping him get over. I mean, that was like his third different time being on TV. I think um, every when we watched Raw every week for like six months, I yes. used to keep keep saying Ryback should be out, and he you know obviously he never did for <laughs> forever. Everything yet you said this is <laughs> yeah. Ryback's video, yeah. and then no, it was somebody else. Um, so he was like actually super grateful, really awesome, like talking, telling us like, you know, wh- how he hit solid with this, how he does this and stuff like that. And after the match, you know, he gave us big hugs, thanked us a lot and stuff. He was, he was awesome. Like definitely a, a cool guy to work with. Um, I couldn't have asked for like a better experience for my one and only WWE in-ring match. But you had a bunch of, uh, opportunities to be an extra and do different things, oh, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a security guard for Randy Orton, uh, in Triple H, or a, a police officer oh, okay. for Randy Orton wait, wait, Triple H. What was your name, Officer? I was Officer Fulton. Yes. And we, we protected Randy Orton from Triple H leading into WrestleMania at 25. I got to do this great bit at Crockett Loves as a photographer with a great <laughs> colleague in Jinder Mahal. We talked about that night. <laughs> yes, we did. We did, yes. You're very um, frightened. Yes. My, my, I think one of our, our favorite TV memory together was uh, Nassau Coliseum. We weren't even on in the segment, just walking down the hall. And, uh, <laughs> with uh, Edge and uh, yeah, Kelly Kelly. Kelly Kelly correct? and Kelly Kelly maybe adjusting her wardrobe a little bit and, uh, and yada, yada, ooh. yada. Me and Mike, I mean, yeah, me and Mike, me Mike, and Mike Testa, Testa <laughs> me and Testa here are a couple of creeps. Yeah, you're uh, wiping your brows and like uh, humming a humming <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> a little biting of the palm a little bit. <laughs> on, your, on your vignette that you did with Christian in Mohegan Sun, yeah. I think you forgot to mention Uh-oh. that you guys were playing roulette Yes. And they gave you fake chips to bet. Right. And you put your money down and your number actually came up and you celebrated like, yes. you, like and you thought as you were really shoot. you thought yeah. you were really gonna win the money <laughs> and then you realized like Oh no, that I'm really not winning the money, even though I just bet on the winning number. So you yeah. you celebrated like crazy. Is that not the ultimate Mike Crockett <laughs> luck though? That's the, that's like the epitome of Crockett. <laughs> he hits huge on roulette, but it's a work. Well, I mean, they gave me like thousands of dollars in chips. I put it down like every other number. That's what we don't talk about. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what about like uh, you know, we talked about your personal goals. What about um, opportunities for your students? 
Like, have they got? Have a lot of your students like gone to TV and stuff like that for WWE? Uh, recently, uh, Travis Gordon and I guess Darley is still technically one of my students, even though he's kind of training uh, with Hollow and stuff right now. Um, they both just did um, some extras work for Monday Night Raw not too long ago. They got to drag Stephanie McMahon uh, out of the ring and into the back. Um, oh, that's a spot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so not as not as much. I, I know some of them have been in contact a little bit. Um, it's it's not as it used to be. It's, it's different. As like the, yeah, the school would yeah, send people. It's, it's more like uh, everyone personally has a kind of their yeah. It's such a di- it's such a different thing now. I think than it than it used to be, and you know. But still, a you know we talked we had a whole episode on it. But still a cool I think experience for everybody. I right. um for me, you guys were brought up in chaotic and stuff, and they sent they sent a lot of people a lot of the time. And the way Steve was with us was he didn't want, and and I I'm kind of along this lines because that's kind of how I was brought up. He didn't want to put someone in front of the office until he knew they were ready and and they would kind of like get. Ha- at least half of like a legitimate look at somebody right um and he feels that way because of how he was stereotyped uh from the way he looked when he first got signed that's the way they still looked at him all those years later even towards the end when he was like a completely different person a completely right. different wrestler yeah, and stuff like-, like that and they were like no you're still like the young rvd yeah. type guy when he <laughs> certainly was not that at all uh, you know towards the end and i think that stems from how he didn't want to send people to tv until he knew that they were ready and get kind of like and be ready and get like a legitimate look so I'm I'm kind of along those lines but I do want people to get more eyes on you know on some of the people. Right. What about someone like um Donovan Dijak who you basically trained from scratch? Yeah, he's like the first uh guy just from my school and just for me that has really made a huge impact. I know he's he's he did a tryout down at the performance center and stuff. He got looked at um then he did the top prospect tournament for Ring of Honor. He won that, signed a deal with them. Um and He's been blowing up like it's funny. Like I'll just say this right now. He's been blowing up everywhere except for Ring of Honor for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, in in my, in my opinion, Ring of Honor has really. I want to say they dropped the ball with him because he he is amazing, and I think there's so much more they could do with him. Um, I think they're just so backlogged with talent, especially you know, like you said, with the New Japan guys. Right. He's going to be just... one that gets away from. Them. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I I think I've been on record many times just saying I think I think Dijak legitimately is going to be a major a major star in professional wrestling in, in the not too distant future. He's one of those guys where uh, training was more of a joy than it was uh, pulling my hair out of my head because I, he would do something wrong. Okay, I would tell him how to fix it, and then he would fix it. Not like some other students where I have to repeat myself like 10 times and they still do it wrong every single time. And he'd always ask questions, ask feedback and stuff. And he picked up on stuff right away. He had a lot of good wrestling instincts, which is something I like to toss around all the time. Like, I can lead people from point A to B to C. But like when I was coming up, he teach me A, teach me D, and I can do B and C on my own because I've watched wrestling my whole life. I have wrestling instincts. Dijak had a lot of wrestling instincts, so he could just kind of fill in a lot of the gaps and stuff like that. And then any mistakes that he made along the way, you know, he was very receptive to feedback, not only from me, but, you know, from other people uh, on the indies and stuff like that. When, you know, when he wrestled with you, Brian, and stuff like that, wrestled Todd and stuff, like he was always open for input and stuff like that. And he's he's done very well for himself in the short period of time that he's been wrestling. What about other, like, standout students 
How about like a like a brick mass stone? Uh, brick mass stone. Andrew is he's awesome. I for me, I'd like to see a little more growth out of him. I think he he skyrocketed really fast and got to a certain point, and I think he's kind of almost plateaued a little bit. But he's like he was a power lifter, very strong kid, super smart, great head on his shoulders. Um, I think. You know, he got himself some new gear. He looks awesome. He has so much intensity in the ring. I think a little bit more experience for him being out there is going to take him a lot further than than he is now. I think he's, he's step out of his comfort zone <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He's he's done so well, and I think he just needs to kind of be seen a little bit more in front of crowds and stuff like that for him to feel a little more comfortable and to go a little further. Um, other kids right now, like uh, Travis Gordon, who is an unbelievable athlete the kid can literally do anything he's one of those like high flying like ricochet era fox shinron type guys kid can literally do anything and i'm right. trying to really i don't want to say ground him but teach him a lot of the stuff in addition to be able to do all that high flying yeah, stuff like that stuff yeah so he can be like really really well-rounded type of guy um cam zagami anthony green two guys that are young in shape and both have really like the whole world ahead of them um, as far as pro wrestling goes. And um, that's just like a short list of kind of like some current students off the top of my head that are there now that I think can do a lot in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Green. Uh, you know, I think he's guy who, um, yeah, he started, he was like this fat little referee kid who like hung around forever and to see his transformation. I, but I think you've been a big, I think you've been a big part of that that transformation kind of taking that you know raw clay and and helping mold it which is you know which is huge yeah he's definitely getting out there now uh what about more famous students well, I, got, I got a i got a what i got a surprise here for uh a surprise our friend brian uh-oh <laughs> so a surprise so yeah so i reached out to maybe some of your your more notable <laughs> more notable students okay uh, and this is this is the this is, this is the, this is not like a roasting thing. If you're getting nervous <laughs> here, so I'd rather it be a roast. <laughs> I don't want to hear any people saying good things about this guy. We'll have, we'll, we'll put it on the roast, Brian, during the okay. fight. I'm sure. But uh, so I reached out for some quotes or just some thoughts from from some of your more well-known students. Okay. Um, so the first one was was Donovan Dijak. This is what Dijak had to say about you. And I totally should have worn my glasses. Yeah, I'm old old man Malone is showing here. the age. <laughs> oh, really? So, this is what Dijak had to say. I said, "I've trained with many of the best trainers across the globe. I can say without hesitation or hyperbole that Brian Fury is unequivocally the most underrated trainer in professional wrestling today. His attention to detail, combined with strict, stern yet friendly coaching style, is unmatched. There is no question in my mind that Brian is the number one reason that I and many others have a high level job in pro wrestling." I owe him a lot, and most importantly, he's a good friend and a good guy. So, next, I reached out to <laughs> another guy. But, but, do, you, do you agree with all that? <laughs> it's 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 weird to hear stuff. I don't know. Like, I never do this to like get praise or hear praise, but like to hear something like that, like for somebody like me, like it just feels really good inside to hear something like that from somebody that you know that I think has done really well and you know he's more than a student like I consider him a friend at this point in time too like so it, it feels nice like it's just neat 
All right, so let's do it again. Yes, yeah, so let's do it again. <laughs> the the, so, the, so the, the tears, the tears are almost coming. Let's go. <laughs> the tear in my eye. <laughs> so I reached, I reached out to uh, WWE NXT superstar Oni Lorkin, who, <laughs> <laughs> formerly known as and better known to us as uh, the manliest man, Biff Busick. Oh, okay. Christopher Gerard as well. He was on NXT, but this is what he had to say. He goes, "The most important thing I think he did for me." Uh, when I first started, was to take me to shows with him so I could get experience. To be able to train with someone, then apply what they taught in front of an audience, then talk about it on the car ride was a great formula for me to get better. Um, so it's kind of funny. You talked about getting your students' first you know, opportunities on shows. and Yeah, it was hard to talk with him on rides home because he would usually sleep a lot in the cars <laughs> <laughs> i have like two or three pictures on my facebook of him just sleeping in the back seat with mouth agape <laughs> mouth wide open but i i, I remember uh, yeah it was i think it was me him julian and elia i took all of them down to some uh dpw tapings down in connecticut and i made sure that you know they all got matches and stuff like that so yeah it's one of those things where i made sure that students kind of got out there and you know that's that's awesome that he remembers that and, and feels good about me helping him get out there and be able to walk through stuff on the ride home and stuff. That's cool. And he ain't doing so bad himself. Yeah, doing all right for himself. Doing all right. So, so you're all done, right? No, I got one more. What? And this one probably, what? probably, probably your most your most notable student. I. What are you uh, talking about? <laughs> you're, uh, a young lady who is doing. She's doing. She's doing okay for she's herself. Doing all right. You know, she may or may not. You know. I don't know. She may or may not make it at this point. She I mean, may be the boss. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, WWE superstar Sasha Banks. Yes. Uh, probably your most your most notable student of yet. Sweetheart. And this is what she had to say. She goes, Fury could be tough sometimes, a hard ass, but it prepared me for what was to come. He was great teaching the fundamentals in psychology. One thing I always remember that was little, he always stood in the middle of the ring and didn't circle his opponents. He told me right before a lockup, why Why are you circling? Stand there. Watch the other guy circle around you. That's your ring. You own that ring. Let your opponent come to you. Yes. I, that's, um, oddly enough, I think I learned that from Terry Taylor at a random seminar. And that's one of those things that stuck with me and, and I never forgot. And I make sure I try to instill that in students. Dijak does that too a lot. And um, to think that she remembers that is awesome. Like, It's really cool especially like where she is now as as you know as big of a star as she's become and I say it all the time I think she's the best woman wrestler like in the world today like to for me to have played some sort of role in her being as good as she is like it it feels really good inside and it's awesome and yeah she's a sweetheart and she's right I was very hard on her um because I saw a lot in her and I knew how badly she wanted it. So I think I was maybe harder on her than other students and stuff. And she might not have liked it so much at the time, but I think she kind of like understands now being where she is and stuff like that. So she was kind of the only female around at that time, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I mean, you already kind of elaborated on it a little bit, but here's three people who are doing really great things in in pro wrestling. You got one in one ring of honor, one in NXT, the NXT WWE developmental system, right. start just starting to make a name for himself. Literally two weeks ago, had his first televised win, and then maybe the top female wrestler <laughs> in WWE currently in Sasha Banks. And you've played a role, uh, you know, in all of their success. So you elaborated on it a little bit, but obviously a very a very cool feeling that. It, it, you know, uh, of all the stuff you've personally done, you've also impacted the wrestling industry as a whole in a positive manner. It's it's kind of crazy 
it's not like I've sat here and thought about it like that or, or like, you know, so it's really, I guess, like awe-inspiring to think of, of how, like, far, like, my ripple has gone from the, you know, the rock I've thrown in the pond of pro wrestling. So it, it's really cool and neat um, to, for that to be the case, you know what I mean? Like, I always wanted to make some sort of an impact in professional wrestling, and I didn't realize, I guess even right until now, like, how maybe large of an impact or something like that that I have had so it's that's awesome that's I don't know it's it's weird to not have words about something because I normally have a lot of opinions and, and words on everything <laughs> this is what I wanted to do too I wanted yeah. them to be at a loss for words too. <laughs> all right I did it well done well done <laughs> no, they, I didn't get a tear though I didn't get a tear no, that's what well, I was going for I don't know I mean, maybe we squeezed one but, I, but I think it's cool that the, these are people who didn't for, who haven't forgotten uh, and that, and I guess that's probably the most important thing that we're probably especially these three that we're probably forgetting to elaborate on a little bit they're all just like legitimately good people. Like they're that's not like I mean, yes, the professional wrestlers, yes, they are they are all stars in their own right, um, at different levels of their career. But all are just like just good people who didn't forget where they came from. No, and I think part of that is what you've instilled in them as well. Uh, yeah, they've they were all super great people, super enthusiastic, super nice. Uh, all all of them all, all the way through. Like I, I don't. I couldn't have like many bad things to say about any of them uh, when it came to training or their attitude to class or attitude at shows, driving to shows because I've dr- driven with all of them and you know they're just they're they're awesome and I couldn't be more happy for the success that they've had. Like I think they deserve it so much, like ten times over. So we talked about you know your students from the past. What what do you see for the future for the school? Right now, we just had, it's weird, we had a huge influx of students at the beginning of summer, like, and now every Tuesday and Thursday, we legitimately have over 20 people at the school each day, and it's awesome, like, we're... It's it's, madness! Yes, and especially right now with how hot it gets in there, like, we are cooking literally in there. Oh, a big sweat stain on the mat. (laughs) Yes, Um, from different things and different, you know, different blow-up trails and stuff. It's kind of neat that I kind of know people that are at NXT and that at the Performance Center and have done um, tryouts and stuff. So I know what they're looking for when they go there. I know what blow-up drills and stuff they have them do when they go there. So I can do them at class and kind of prepare them for stuff like that. Squats on the top rope? (laughs) Uh, No, I I have done those a little bit before. That's an old Eddie Edwards thing. He used to do squats on the top rope while people like hit the ropes and stuff like that. Uh, did they do it on one of the tough enoughs? Maybe. Yeah. That was a requirement for me <laughs> when I was training. I've been to the top rope like twice in my career, and it both times was like inside of a steel cage. And that was like, if when I started training, Mike Hollow was like, "Yeah, so get on the top rope and do some squats." I'd be like, "Well, it's been really nice. I'm just gonna go back to watching wrestling." Uh, so, like, as far as like the like, you know, I know what people need to be capable of when they get ready to be looked at and stuff so I, I i kind of test them maybe not to the extent of what hollow was having you guys do during the the quote deep south days oh, don't <laughs> quote, remind me but i definitely i definitely push on my students as far as that goes uh, so it's cool to to make sure i have people ready um so we had a huge influx of students um i see some potential it's weird you can usually see potential in people right away, but there's always a couple people that kind of surprise you that you go, ah, I'm not too sure about this one, how he's going to do in the long run, and they really like jump out and stuff like that. There's a couple of those um, that are kind of like in the intermediate stage of training right now that I've, I've been surprised by. The beginning class, it's hard to tell, but I think I have a couple I have a couple girls there right now. There's three girls at the school right now, all 
within their first like two months of training and they're all super hard workers and stuff so it's good to have some more females around because the only ones i've really had um you know had sasha i had casey ray and then we had uh davy n um all three did you know done pretty well in their times and stuff so hopefully these three being able to train together we with each other as well as with mm-hmm. the guys and stuff i think uh you know if they stick with it i think they can go pretty far now, what about personally? I know at one point you were talking about retirement, but it didn't... Um... That actually is funny that you bring Uh-oh. bring that up because that was something um, I was going to kind of spring on you guys here and make an official announcement Oh no! right oh, here oh boy. on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Oh, thank you. Um, 2016 has been an awesome year for me. Um, but I am old. <laughs> I am getting old, and and oh no! And um, so the official announcement, uh, 2016 will be my last active year as a professional wrestler. Um, I'll be taking bookings up until the end of December, uh, and then after that, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, 100% of my focus is going to be going on training, the school, and really kind of ramping things up there i think we just talked about the success i've had there so far and it hasn't really been like the main focus i guess you could say and so i'm ready and at the stage of my life and my career where i want that to be the main focus of everything i do going forward and so the in-ring part of my career is winding down i don't recover the same way i used to i feel like ever since the ankle injury i've lost a step or two as far as like agility uh physicality speed and stuff like that and it's like i could continue to keep doing this for another two or three years like and still be at a decent level but i never wanted to be one of those guys that wrestled around new england until they were 40 something and just kind of hanging on and doing it because like i never wanted to see like a downside to my career i wanted to get to where, where i was the highest and then say okay like I can walk away and be happy and proud and stuff like that. And having the school really helps me make that decision a lot easier. Um, Originally, it was going to be earlier, earlier this year, and then the Ring of Honor thing happened and stuff, and I wasn't sure how that was going to go. But I think we'd see how that's gone now. I did that, and then I think that's going to be it. So officially, 2016 will be um, the last year of Firebrand Brand Fury. As wow. we know it. That's a bummer. Yeah, well, that's a bombshell. Our first, our first bombshell. Well, I want to lobby now for a match somewhere. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll have to uh, end a certain moratorium <laughs> I currently have. Because <laughs> I, I would like to lock horns uh, certainly one more time. Well, no, I, I definitely. I mean, there's, a couple, there's definitely some people that I would definitely want to make sure I wrestle at least one more time. Um, you know, before I hang them up for good. No, I'm not gonna do. No, I'm not gonna leave my boots in the middle of the ring, oh, guys. Come before, on, before come you on ask. Now. Requirements. <laughs> uh, so, 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 don't ask. I'm not gonna be doing that. Uh, so, um, but no, there's definitely um, some people that you know. I definitely want to wrestle at least one more time. Um, I have a couple more big, like first time ever matchups coming up later on this year that are gonna be awesome. We have a big one in September. Yeah, September 9th. I get to you know, I'm one of the few guys announced to wrestle Cody Rhodes on his uh, independent 
run here as he's you know just kind of getting back on the indies and stuff. So I'm that's super a, super excited for that match. That's at the Chaotic Show and uh, at, at the Lowell, Lowell Spinner Stadium. yeah Lowell Spinner Stadium Grand a night of Grand Slams. I think that's what they're calling it or something like that. Yep. So I am like when I when they I got the call and told I was going to be wrestling Cody Rhodes, like I was super excited. And then I didn't know when I could announce it. And then he. Kind of announced it and called it out, called me out on his Twitter. So I, I was like, "Well, that was pretty cool." Like, I guess so. Now I could talk about it. Both of us talked about it before Chaotic ever talked about it. But once he announced it, like, well, whatever you're gonna tell him, no, don't, don't, don't <laughs> yeah, announce exactly. it. Well, I, I heard they're probably gonna book him because of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> was, they're thinking about telling him to get the bricks. Yeah, dock his pay. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, okay, so let's. Um, I mean, there's not very much to say after that. I know. I mean, I mean, just from a standpoint of somebody, we we've wrestled together so much. We've traveled a lot together. I think in the time that you've been in chaotic, I think we've ran the gamut of what we talked about personal. But I mean, I get it. I understand. But it's a bummer. But if you're at peace with it, that's all that freaking matters, man. If you're comfortable with it, and and as we've seen here with. Um, the quotes from Dijak and Biff and, and and Sasha Banks, like yeah, you can still make a huge impact on the. And I think you realize that too. You can make a huge impact on this business um, from what you're doing with the school because obviously you're doing some good friggin' work, man. Thank right. you. No. So and you're gonna be in demand for the rest of the year. So maybe you should give out your your Twitter and emails and websites and all that stuff. In demand would be nice. I mean, it's hope. It's the the. I don't have like a, a name for anything. Maybe the Final Fury Farewell Tour <laughs> or something, uh, something along those lines. There 2016 Final Fury. I, I don't know, but um, so yeah, like I'm trying to, you know, book me up, please, if you can, um, the rest of the year because I want to make it a memorable one, uh, not only for me but the fans. I'd like to try to get to as many places that I've wrestled before, just so I could, you know, do one last match there. Um, and so yeah, Twitter is x Brian x Fury x. Um, that's also my email address x Brian x Fury x at hotmail dot com. Same thing for my Instagram. Find me on Facebook at, at Brian Fury. Search Brian Fury. I don't have one of those pages or anything like that. Uh, the school n e pro wrestling dot com on Twitter at n e pro wrestling updated daily right the twitter and, and and the facebook page uh, are are updated regularly the website is one of those beautiful things where it doesn't necessarily have to be updated too often you could put some generic stuff up there stock stuff how to contact us blah 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 blah. it's all right on there you're gonna get that webmaster on the ball yes he is in my living room right now probably <laughs> eating all of my food watching yeah the preliminary fights for ufc um so yeah, that's uh, neprowrestling.com. Or you can just Google search New England Pro Wrestling Academy. We should pop right up, and then email us right from the page, and you know, come on down and train. We, you know, we're accepting new students or people that have already trained previously. Come down, train with us for a bit, and then you know, go from there. All right. Well, we're gonna have to uh, move on and get some uh, final things done here. But you can stick around. We'd like you to stick around. And uh, you want to stick around for a couple? Are or we what? gonna do? A wrestling promo about nothing? We sure are. We sure are. I can't wait to hear this. In a moment. But first, Brian. We gotta we gotta pay the bills around here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) The hashtag is PDA for BDA. Tweet it at BDA underscore radio or me at Crocsox. Tweet it at me at Crocsox or at Brian. He's at Brian Malonis. And we'll mention you on the podcast. Brian, we had one from last week that uh, that I I, uh, I missed. It's from Jason Stewart at jstewart0920. 
And uh, this is a, a buddy of yours from the... Commissioner Mark Green from Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Yes, and uh, at, he says, after a day of performing a wrestling show at Fenway Park, I get a new WPAN in the morning. It's like Christmas. Huh? Huh? <laughs> huh? There you go, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was a, sh- a wrestling show at Fenway Park, a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, our pals were uh, a part of that show. Some of my students were there. Yes, it's uh, pretty fantastic. Bright, was Bryce Clayton there? Bryce Clayton. Who's I he? Think he? I think he might have been in, in one of the tag match contests. What a freaking field. jobber. <laughs> <laughs> he is a mess. All right, let's go to Steven at HHHGuy2004. And he says he's cooking bacon and eggs for breakfast while listening to the 4th of July Traveling Road Stories episode of the WPAN. That's right, Fury. We didn't take a day off, man. No, huh? we did not. <laughs> we don't take days off. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. And Stephen, basically, he was live tweeting the entire episode. As yes, he, he uh, was. Yes, yeah, he we, was. We Thanks for into, listening, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, we can't get into all this of those. Like, this is like one of our number one, one, of our number one uh, fans here. Maybe, maybe he is our number one fan. Yes. And uh, speaking of fans, and, and uh, I'm a fan of his, Steve King, at Strangler Steve. Funny road trip stories by Croc Socks and Brian Malonis on WPAN and BDA Radio. He says, screw Arch, screw pretending to be a fisherman. <laughs> I agree. I agree, too. Screw Arch Kincaid. Hey, 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 hey. Last week, uh, episode <laughs> check out episode 11, our road stories. Arch Kincaid wanted me to be a fisherman, and I was not having it. Okay. Well, he's an asshole. Well, let's let's pretend to be fishermen, <laughs> Mr. Crockett. Elwood Apt. Big Woody. Checking in once again, as he always does, and we appreciate it, at Apt Elwood on Twitter. He says, all due love for the previous episodes of WPAN, but this week's my favorite so far. Wrestlers are the best road stories. Fact. Thank you very much, Big Woody. And he also says, how about Croxons having my back on Nothing Happenings? Now sending the kingpin APW bookings through Crocs. So I, I will be your official. You're my agent? Yes. You're not going to take a cut of my pay, are you? I, I better. Oh, at, least, uh, at least give me some pizza. Hey, what the he- hey, by the way, where are my 8x10s, man? I sent you those pictures like three weeks ago to get uh, edited up. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, Typical Michael Crockett <laughs> right there. <laughs> Typical Michael Crockett. Anyways, keep the segment rolling. Okay, okay. Brad Hollister checking in. Big Bacon. New England. What? That's his nickname, Big Bacon. I've that's, that's never heard that. That's his nickname. It's uh, it's tremendous. I I went nuts when I heard that his nickname is Big Bacon. <laughs> Brad Hollister. He, he's a pinhead. He's a pinhead. He's a pinhead. He's a wrestler in New New England, uh, applying his trade as you are, Brian Malonis and Brian Fury. He is at B underscore Rad Hollister on Twitter. B underscore Rad Hollister. I don't know why he's not at Big Bacon. I I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that's taken. I'm sure that's taken. But big, he, at Big ba- Bacon Brad. Brad, if you're listening, do it, man. At Big Bacon Brad. <laughs> that, that, that does kind of roll off the tongue, doesn't it? Okay, he says, Malonis is bigger and funnier than the Wrecking Ball. What's this about? But wrecking Ball Ligurski. This, uh, this guy's calling me out on Twitter. You think he's going to take my mantle as, the, as uh, the numero uno big man in New England, I think. So there uh, might be a uh, matchup down the line? Is, uh, uh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Negotiations there are... might be one or two coming up here. You're kidding me. Yeah. All right, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Maybe you nothing's happening. Wrecking Ball Ligurski is the man's name. That's it. All right, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Mike Mills at Mike504Saints. He says, Crocsox, good story about the metal fish hook. I had a similar incident one night when I saw a 20 foot tall big bird running alongside my car. Mike, you're a good dude. Love uh, booking the territory, but uh, lay off the drugs, man. 
He said he was so delirious and sleep deprived. He didn't have a sunroof though. I asked him if he had a sunroof so he could let he could let Big Bird in the, Big Bird in the car. Big Bird or Big Big Bird? Big Bird. <laughs> It's it's getting, it's getting late, Brian. It's yes, getting it late. is. It's getting late awfully early. Okay, yes. And TK, finally, TK, at THOG94, he says, we need videos. We need videos. He says, when Sal's on South Willow Street opens back up, it's I'll buy Manchester. the pizza. It's in Manchester. South Willow. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out uh-huh. what South Willow Street. Yeah, That's where you used to live right off there, right? Yeah, my old stomping ground. Yeah, so he says, we need videos. We talked about this last week. That, yes. Uh, I w- you I w- want a video content. You know, you'd, think, you would think, Brian, you know, now you, you promote your school, right? I do. You promote yourself as a professional wrestler. I, I do. I, I was trying to think of ways we could promote our, our podcast here. So I thought some video content. Maybe because, you know, as you know, I'm uh, doing some officiating and beyond wrestling. You are? I am not a trained official. You're you not. Are. I was fucking terrible <laughs> in that tag match. Uh, <laughs> on the well, last I mean, yeah, show. I mean, I, things got out of control. Yes, when you get yes. guys like that in there. It so, was yes. very out of control, but hey, we can. Hey, uh, everybody has some bad tag team matches. But now I, and then, right? I was, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, maybe my good friend Mike Crockett could could help train me as an official, and, and maybe we could videotape that. But uh, I agree. Yeah, but you know, he's a jerk. The New sometimes. England Pro Wrestling Academy is open. For wow, business, really? Here we go. Look if you guys want to come down. Look at that. Uh, I, I what's your excuse now? The fans are demanding it. We we have a place to do it. Ah, uh, tired. You could edit uh, it, or you could do Facebook you, Live. That, you know that, what I that think is it, the new option these days. You know what I think it is, uh, Brian. I think it's the old ball and chain. Hey, <laughs> 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 don't listen, anyways. Okay. <laughs> See, Uh-oh. we can say whatever we want about our wives on this podcast because they don't listen to it. Well, she listens. Well, uh, she listened to most of them. She's uh, slowing down, I think. <laughs> she lost interest. Anyway. But the podcast or you? Well, no, well, no. What's no, going podcast, on? Do we get another podcast. bombshell here? <laughs> the podcast, the podcast. We don't want you to lose interest, though, folks. Become a part of the BDA Radio family. Leave a comment, ask a question, or just let us know you're listening. You know, my wife or anyone else, use the hashtag PDA for BDA on Twitter and join in on the fun. Okay. Promo about nothing. Yeah. We are right up against the clock, as always, Brian Malonis. And we've got uh, two Brians. Here we got Brian Malonis. We've got Brian Fury. Two Brian Michaels, I might add. Yes. And we have our first repeat customer, our first repeat offender for the promo about nothing. Scott Steiner is back, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about, uh, I think it was episode three, we had Scott Steiner on there uh, doing some math. Some math, yeah. Yes. But this is a... Also, uh, a Scott Steiner promo from TNA in 2011, the Against All Odds pay-per-view. Let's just take a listen to this from uh, 2011 in TNA. And coming up next, Scott Steiner, first match back with Beer Money. The three of you are going to be taking on three members of Immortal. That's right. It's going to be my my first match back. It's going to be just like my last match. It's going to be like a match I had two years ago. It's going to be like a match I had at the beginning of my career. I'm going to stick my size 12. So f- Give me. Be here I'm going to stick my boots so far up your ass. You're going to be suit. You're going to be flossing with my shoelaces. Now, Kent Rob Terry, you're obviously a follow model, immortal. Say your prayers. Take your vitamins. It's just too damn bad. They don't make vi- vitamins. For coordination. Uh, what uh, uh, what I think Scotty is trying to say is, is that everybody deserves their 15 minutes of fame. But you see, guys, tonight you picked the wrong place 
the wrong time, and the wrong three guys to do it with. We've all been where you guys are at tonight. You're hungry. You want that spotlight. You'll do anything you can to be in that spotlight to hear those people chant your name. Well, we happened to grab your birth certificate and found out your real names. You suck. You suck. You suck. <laughs> and guys, when you're in the ring, we're going to make your dreams come true because those people will be chanting your name. But then your dreams are going to come crashing down when you hear those two magical words. Beer! Money! Sorry about your damn luck. Thanks for the beer. Thanks for the beer. What do you think about that one, Brian Fury? I've heard a lot of Scott Steiner promos in my time, and that one was pretty tremendous. He sounded a lot like Crockett at the beginning of this podcast. No, no, that would be completely <laughs> edited <laughs> out. <laughs> now, was he just screwing up on purpose, or was the beer kind of... He was definitely screwing up and flubbing lines, and then just using that beer to kind of try to cover it up as best he could, but I don't think it worked for anybody. Indeed, it did not. And folks, if you want to see the video for this promo about nothing, check the description on this episode. The link is right there, and you can check it out for yourself. All right. Brian Malonis. Brian Malonis. You are... Crisscrossing this great nation of ours, hitting the highways and byways, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and do you or do you not have dates? I do have dates, Mike. I always have dates. The Kingpin's a big deal, as you know. Uh, so this Friday night, July 15th, in Brockton, Massachusetts, top rope promotions, the top rope roulette. Um, one of 12 guys entered into, uh, it's not really a tournament, but it's going to be 12 guys, matches picked at random. I'm not going to know who I'm wrestling until uh, some lucky fan picks it up uh, or picks a, uh, two names out of a hat. So uh, go to Top Row Promotions' Facebook page. That's where they promote all their stuff there uh, for ticket information. Uh, great promotion, great show. That's Brockton uh, this Friday night, July 15th. On July 17th, uh, with our good friend here, Brian Fury, who 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 is going to be uh, on this uh, on this uh, big event, I believe, teaming with the Hit Squad uh, Beyond Wrestling at the Melrose Memorial Hall, a double header with Evolve. Uh, huge news just coming up uh, in the last twenty four hours or so. Uh, both halves of this show will be live on iPay-Per-View. That's right, Beyond Wrestling. And yours truly, the Kingpin, who is officiating the JT Dunn-Kimberly match, going to be live on iPay-Per-View at 2.30 uh, in the afternoon. Um, and then tickets are also available uh, for this great show uh, online. Check out the Beyond Wrestling Facebook page for all that information. But that's 2.30 p.m. Melrose Memorial Hall, doubleheader with Evolve. Going to be WWE Cruiserweight Classic matches on the 7 o'clock show. Zack Sabre Jr. is there. Uh, JT Dunn, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, so please check them out. Great show. Uh, and again, our good friend Brian Fury here. Uh, and then next week, July 22nd, back with Top Rope Promotions in Wareham, Massachusetts, uh, with former SmackDown general manager and uh, really pro wrestling legend Teddy Long. Going to be a great show, Wareham, Mass. Uh, that's Friday, July 22nd. Again, check out Top Rope Promotions on Facebook. And then the one that I keep screwing up, and I will try my best not to screw it up this time, July 31st. Uh, 
Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Newbury, Massachusetts, excuse me, Newbury Port at the Yankee Homecoming. Uh, great, great event. Uh, two halves, one at 10, one at one. Uh, I will be taking on Donovan Dijak in the rematch that all of New England wants to see. One of Brian Fury's prized pupils. Uh, maybe the Kingpin's going to finally get his revenge on Donovan Dijak. Again, that's a great event. Free for the fans uh, who come out to Yankee Homecoming, Old Fashioned Sunday in Newburyport. Uh, Ten and one, two halves of a great a great event, and that's not all because the Kingpin will also be back with Beyond Wrestling American Rana 2016 FET Music Providence. The tickets are going crazy for this event. Uh, I'm pretty sure it ha- the building's half sold out already, and the, and the tickets just went on sale like maybe like 10 days ago. Uh, great event. The whole card is up on Beyond Wrestling's uh, Facebook page. I will be officiating the main event, a triple threat to determine the ace of Beyond Wrestling. JT Dunn versus Chris Dickinson versus Donovan Dijak. Boys, Dijak everywhere. Uh, Brian Fury, one of Brian Fury's prize pupils, just making his name uh, known everywhere. Again, Zack Sabre Jr. on this. Uh, our good friend Brian Fury will be taking on Tommaso Ciampa uh, in a battle of New England there. Um, based on Brian's announcements, hell, that might be the last time you get a chance to see uh, Tommaso and, and Fury hook up. So, uh, great event, American Run of 2016, uh, July 31st at 6 p.m. Fet Music. Check out Beyond Wrestling on Facebook. And here's a new one, Mike. I alluded to it earlier. Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling, Saturday night, August the 6th. The Kingpin Brian Malonis taking on Wrecking Ball Ligurski, six foot six, 400 pounds. Battle of the Big Men, Dr. Reginald Hersey would not want to miss this. He'll probably be sitting front row. He loves a good Battle of the Big Men. But you're going to see the Kingpin taking on uh, maybe a pretender to my throne of uh, best big man, uh, you know, Hell, I'm going to call myself the best big man in the world. How about that, Mike? Uh, but, yeah, me versus Wrecking Ball Ligurski, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling, August 6th. We're going to stop there because I don't want to give you too much information to digest. The Kingpin's getting all over the place. And if you want to book me, as you should want to book me, hit me up on Twitter at Brian Malonis or email Malonis at comcast.net. All right, fantastic. We are just about out of here. But before that, we have a special shout-out to the podcast with little talent but lots of extra belly fat. A man walks into an on bar, BDA Radio's MMA podcast, hosted by Chad Alden and Paul St. Emma Jr. Find them on BDARadio.com and subscribe. And let me just say, you'll want to tune in this week for some very special guests. Okay. Follow us on the official Twitter of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing at the WPAN. Plus, follow our sponsor at BDA underscore radio. And me, I'm at CrocSox, and he is at Brian Malonis. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA to get a shout-out on an upcoming show. And for all, your MMA and wrestling talk, lock it in to BDARadio.com. Okay, this has been Episode 12. Thank you to Brian Fury, and we will see you next week for the Kingpin. Brian Malonis, this is Mike Crockett, and thanks for nothing. Thank <laughs> you.